The Mets are on fire, and the Twins aren't. A couple of rookies are lighting the world on fire. All that and more on today's Stitches podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Stitches Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Manderfeld. I've got Robert Stangler and Noah Manderfeld on the show with me today. No Nick Budig. A little emergency at work, it sounds like. So hopefully we can get him back next week. We're all crossing our fingers. Um, but it's just us three, guys. Robert, how's it uh, going in uh, your land? Uh, it's interesting. I had an interesting weekend. A lot of stuff went down. Just, you know, drank, drank a little bit. And uh, just hung out. Not a whole lot, really, dude. Every, you had, I heard you had an eventful day, though. Every today. crazy story starts with, I drank a little bit. Yeah, it's something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And I want everyone to know we are of age. Correct. So this is nothing nothing bad going down. Or right? nothing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Noah, I assume that you stayed clean this weekend, unlike our friend Robert here. Mm, I had one. It was a relaxing version, Whoa. but I went to... Yeah, it's starting to go a little hard for me. <laughs> went to the uh, state fair, the Iowa State Fair. Got a nice corn dog. It was delicious. Um, I sweat a little bit, but you know, it's 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 a good time. It's Great. Good. Thanks for telling everybody that. Um, we were at the state fair <laughs> today hot. too. Eighty five. Yeah, it was warm. It was raining today. We went to the state fair. We're like, if it rains, whatever. We're gonna brave through it, and it ended up being a really humid day, but no rain. And I got myself some. Uh, Burnt pork ends, which were delicious. I got some ice cream. Uh, saw some cows, only in Iowa. And, yeah, it was a pretty fun day. Watch horses do tricks and stuff. Yeah. Oh, funny enough, they had, like, a Nintendo Switch tent. I saw and that. people were playing, like, Mario Kart and stuff. But it was, like, a whole bunch of little kids, so I didn't oh, want to jump on and just, like, own yeah. them all. Yeah, because you would have done if, that. Not for, they for, everyone, uh, for everyone listening, we are all Mario Kart champions. We were all pretty impressive Mario Kart players. Um, so I didn't want to go in there and just like make a little 12-year-old cry because I would get really competitive and, yeah, it wouldn't go well. Didn't want to do that. All right, let's get into the show. That's enough about Mario Kart on a baseball podcast. I'm about yourself, Luke. And I was talking about myself way too much. That's <laughs> terrible hosting. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, be- before we get into the name game and our show, just want to remind you we're on all the podcast platforms. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcasts. You can send your questions to be featured on the show to our email at uh, thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at stitchespod. You'll get all our newest content there. Again, that's on Twitter at stitchespod. Let's do the name game, and let's talk some Mets Twins and rookies going off. All right, let's find my name game here. Oh, this, I'm sorry. I feel like I, I'm like, what did I do again? Okay. Uh, this is a, an, unfor, an unforgettable one. You think so? I got my doc here. All right. The name game this week is Henry Henry. <laughs> again, that's Henry Henry, if you forgot. Position? He is a pitcher in the Padres organization. All right, take a crack at this one. Henry Henry. Now, this could be evil genius or just me being an idiot and trying to come up with something and try to pull a fast one on you guys. Let's go. Robert. 
Um, wow. Uh, no. Okay. Noah? I tell you what, Luke, you get better at this every single week. I know. Yes. Thank you. It, it's literally a, a crapshoot right now. It's. A, I'm gonna say yes. Okay. Oh man. <laughs> I know. I've uh, I've improved. There's one thing I've improved in my life over the last six months. It's or the eight months. It's, it's you know better. you know yeah. a good Henry Henry. I know how to put on a poker voice since there's no face on a podcast. All right. So Henry Henry Robert said no. Noah said yes. Find out at the end of the show if that's a real player. All right, let's talk baseball, guys. New York Mets have completely, well, I, I don't want to say they've proven us wrong, but they're definitely trying their best to prove us wrong. If you remember when the Mets made their bunch of their trade deadline moves, we had a podcast about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, guys. It was the week before the trade deadline, and we completely ripped them a new one, saying how we did not understand how they were making these moves and trying to win this year. Well, since uh, since then, I mean, they're eight and two in their last ten games. They're a half game out of the wild card spot. Actually, sorry, they're one game out of the wild card spot right now behind the Cardinals. They have been going off. Their pitching has been impressive. Cindergard, it seems like he's found his form. I mean, guys, the Mets are just unreal. Is it time for us to eat crow a little bit, Robert? I'll start with you. Ooh. E. Crow, interesting. Uh, you know, this is an interesting one. I'll say this because the, the Mets have played some pretty crappy teams. Like, they've played the Pirates lately, the White Sox, the Marlins, yeah. and the Padres. So, as much as that streak has looked pretty good on paper, those are not great teams. Now, they're going into a stretch pretty soon here where they're going to have the Braves, the Indians, and the Braves again. So, that'll be more interesting to see how they compete against those teams. But, as of right now, you have to give credit still that when you beat a major league team, whether they're good or bad, it's still impressive, especially a streak. So the Mets do get credit. I'll eat crow there. But I will say that will they finish where they are right now? No, they won't. I think they're going to fall back, and they're not going to be in the race of this wild card team because the offense is too streaky. You're looking at guys like Michael Conforto, who's a very offensive, productive player, but he, we all know his injury history is horrible. If he gets hurt, this team falls apart. I'm not kidding you. That's how weak this lineup can be. Yeah, and they've won eight straight. Uh, as of now, they've just beat the Nationals two out of three. Actually, they, they lost today, so they've they're eight and nine in the last ten or nine games. They lost the Nationals today, but won two out of three against them. Obviously, a big team they got to beat to maybe grab a wild card spot. Noah, your thoughts on the Mets? Were we wrong? I I want to go back into Mets history for a bit. So the first time that the Mets won their championship, which was in 1973, they went to the World Series and lost in seven games. Uh, they had trailed by 10 games in mid-August. Now, the next time when they won the pennant, um, I believe it was 1986, when, of course, there's the Billy Buckner play, went on to win the World Series. They were 11 and a half games behind first in August. This is a team um, that ha- has a history of having a rocky roller coaster of a season. And I'm not going to sit here and say that the Mets were smart to get Stroman for this year because no team just wins 14 out of 15 and you predict that to happen. This team has gotten hot at the right moment, but I don't think this front office is really to is is at is the reason why this team is on this hot streak. I think this team has just suddenly turned it around and and the front office is getting lucky that they're succeeding this year. But I think it's great. I think it's great for New York. It's a Mets team that. Never has a smooth road. So this could be for real, guys. Again, they have tough teams coming up to test uh, themselves, but this is how they've got this is how they do it. This is the Mets way. 
Yeah, and Noah Syndergaard right now, he's got the 3.89 ERA on the season, 145 strikeouts in 148 innings. Jacob DeGrom has been kind of vintage. DeGrom, 182 strikeouts in 143 innings, 2.77 ERA. This rotation's looking a lot like the rotation everyone expected it to be. Zach Wheeler's uh, been impressive as well. Is this is it the pitching or is it the offense just kind of having that offensive burst, Robert, you were talking about uh, being streaky? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because we look at a guy like J.D. Davis. This is a guy at the beginning of the year, we weren't sure what his role was going to be, oh, and suddenly now. What's that? I love J.D. Davis. Yeah, you did. I, right, I want to yeah. talk about that too. You both really like J.D. Davis. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure about this guy yet. The Mets made an interesting trade in the offseason to get him, and a lot of people were kind of like, besides you two, a lot of people were like, who's J.D. Davis? I mean, like, he's a decent prospect. Is he going to do anything? And I wanted to know in spring training what his role was going to be. Well, now here we are today, and J.D. Davis has a 370-plus on-base percentage and is actually being very productive mm-hmm. on offense. And now he's getting everyday at-bats in the outfield. So it's very interesting to see how he has made an impact. And, like, the other night, Todd Frazier stepped up, got a big home run. I mean, they're just getting contributions from a lot of these guys who are mediocre players or they could be better than mediocre. I mean, Todd Frazier, at his best, used to be one of the better players in the National League when he's with the Cincinnati Reds. I know it's a long time away, but when you get in the moment, there are players like that that just know how to win. And J.D. Davis is one of those guys, when you give him an opportunity, he's not going to let you down. He wants to seize that moment and continue the streak that he's got going. I really am impressed by what he's doing. I don't know about you, Luke. Of course, they got him from the Astros um, in a trade. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So 14 home runs this season, hitting 308, and he's finally getting every day at bats and making the most of it. Interesting enough, some of their two biggest acquisitions, Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz, and Jed Lowry have done really bad. And in some cases, like Diaz, they've actually been hurting the team. It's really interesting to see uh, point those out, and they're still finding a way to win even this recent stretch. Noah, any last thoughts on the Mets before we wrap up here and get to the Twins-Indians? Yeah, I'm just going to throw some quick stats to back up what we were saying about J.D. Davis. In his last, since July 25th, he's hitting 404 with 12 RBIs and five home runs. Michael Conforto, he's hit seven home runs during this whole 15-game stretch. I mean, Jill Panic, who they just picked up, has contributed. Ahmed Rosario, it's basically everybody that just caught fire during the stretch. Yeah, I'm just worried if Conforto goes down, guys, this seems to always happen. The Mets always seem to just, yeah, he just seems to be like that fiery passion that they have, and they just keep going. And I think it's really nice to have Strowman, because besides what he does on the field, in the clubhouse, this guy's a fiery guy. As much as I don't like him as a pitcher, he's a fiery, passionate guy, and he gets the team all fired up. And I think that's really what this has been on this streak that the Mets are having. I think it's really, they're just playing on a lot of adrenaline right now. Yeah, Marcus Strowman's been pretty good for them, too. Uh, okay, let's move on to the Twins Indian series. Kind of a big talk around the Minnesota Iowa area over the weekend. The Indians end up winning three of four in the series, seven to five in the first game, six to two in the second game. Twins win the third game four to one, but the Indians win on Sunday seven to three, and it's a tie in the division after the Twins led for most of the season. The Indians have pulled even. Is there some cause for concern here for the Twins? No, I'll start with you. The Twins just uh. You know, couldn't pull out a couple wins here. For sure, there's some cause for concern, but I've I've said this all these last two months while the Indians have been catching up to the Twins, and is that I mean the Twins had their hot streak in the first two months. They were playing those easy teams, and the Indians started playing those easy teams, and the Indians started to get that momentum. They started to come back in. 
The Twins during this stretch, I mean, they still have 71 wins, I believe, right now. That's good for fifth or sixth in the major leagues in terms of wins. Uh, the Twins have treaded water. They're about four games above 500 since the middle of June. The Twins have done what we asked them to do because when they got off to that 40, 40 and 16 stretch, we were thinking, all right, they go 500 the rest of the way. They're going to win 92 games, and they've done that. They've gone 500, and that's what we've asked. But the Indians have earned their way back into this race. And the Indians right now, when they play the Twins, looks like the better team. We thought the Twins were better back in July when the Twins won two out of three right out of the All-Star break. But the Indians are a completely different team a month later after trading Trevor Bauer. And this Indians team is scary. Now, the only thing that's in the Twins' favor right now is that the Twins have the easiest schedule among every single playoff contender. They play, I believe, 32 out of their last 46 games or something like that against divisional opponents, which are the Tigers, the White Sox, and the Royals, whereas the Indians, they go and they play the Yankees, they play the Red Sox, they play the Mets, so they've got a tougher schedule. But right now, dead dead even, the Indians have the upper hand, and it's a little concerning. I think the most concerning part for me is the offense has been, I think, all right. But you look at Martin Perez and Kyle Gibson over this last they've few weeks. Off. Yeah, they've definitely fallen off. And I know Martin Perez, maybe people could have predicted that one, but I don't think anyone has predicted being this bad. Kyle Gibson just can't get through third time through the order, and uh, he's really frustrating to watch. We were talking about this the other day, guys. He just nibbles and nibbles and nibbles <laughs> until he walks six guys, and then all of a sudden it's five to four or whatever it was. Or I, I don't even know. He's 102. Yeah, he's 102 pitches in the fifth inning. You just can't have that when you're playing against a team like the Indians, which which offense actually looks just a lot better now with Fran Mel Reyes and Yasiel Puig. Robert, did uh, you watch the four games? What are your thoughts, concerns with the Twins uh, now? Well, I think it starts with the hitting philosophy. You guys, you know, you understand that they're a big home run team, but I think they need to get more discipline with two strikes. They seem to find a way where they they're getting home runs here and there, but when you face the good players, the good pitchers that the Indians have, they're going to find a way to get to the, get you to have weak contact. And that's something that keeps happening. As you saw in this last game with Max Kepler, he wasn't even getting a good contact. And that's kind of a problem because the Indians pitchers are not just going to sit back and wait for you to hit their pitch. They're going to come after you. They're going to be aggressive. Mike Clevenger did it when he threw, when he was in the count, two strikes, what did he do? He just pound a fastball right there. And if you could hit it, Good for you. If you couldn't, uh, you're sitting on the, you're going back to the bench. So I think, I think the Indians are going to be this team that's going to be very, very um, interesting because when you look at where they are and where they were, it's just it's it's incredible because they've added yeah. so much offense to this team. And I know, Noah, you might not think this team is that great offensively now. I think Puig's a big deal. Oh, Puig I really is think, a huge deal. I think, I think Puig is a huge deal. And whether Fran Reyes finds it or not, I don't know. But I think when I was talking about Jason Kipnis, too, he stepped his game up back to where he is now seeing pitches more. He's mm-hmm. finding ways to get on base. He doesn't necessarily have to hit a home run or whatever we're looking for in today's game. He's finding ways to be a contribution to the team, and that's huge. And you know how he is. He's a very big chemistry guy in this Indians run that he, they've had the last few years, despite him being hurt or good or whatever. He's still a big part in this game. Yeah, I just and- think I just think the Twins, for me, the pitching – like, okay, so let's go back. They went to the trade deadline. They didn't really do much. They got two relievers. Yeah, okay. So I'm expecting them to find these young guys in their farm system to step up because if this isn't going to happen, then this isn't going to be the year for yeah. the Twins because yeah. something has to give to fix the problems if Gibson and Martin Perez – and Martin Perez 
is easily a valuable player who can go right into the bullpen and be a solid lefty behind Taylor Rogers. That's just what yeah, I, I could see that. And you talk about the farm system. They have that, that bruised our grady. Uh, yeah. I was going to botch his name. Oh, so I didn't want yeah. <laughs> I already butchered. It's all right. I'll butcher. I'm the host. I'll take the blame here. 21 years old. He throws almost a hundred miles an hour. He's a guy that they've been talking about calling up, maybe not in a rotation spot, but uh, maybe in the bullpen and he could be uh, really good for them. Uh, the Indians don't have Corey Kluber right now, and I think that's maybe the biggest thing. That's a former Cy Young guy, and that's still there. The Indians are looking at reinforcements where the Twins are kind of left out alone right here. So I think there's definitely some concern. Noah, you talked about how the winning uh, down the stretch, uh, tw- Twins have an easier schedule, but I think the Indians are, they got a lot of momentum from this series, yeah. and they're only going to get better. And for sure, I mean, earlier in the year, the reason why they were struggling is because their offense was Carlos Santana and then Francisco Lindor when he came right. back. Wow, Jose Ramirez is, is back playing pretty well. Jason Kipnis, Puig. Um, I mean, Naquin's even putting contributions. Yeah. Mercado. And so they Mercado. Yeah. Guys that have stepped up in these last two months. And Roberto been. Perez has been really good, yeah, too. Yeah, it's an underrated lineup. He has, what, 16 home runs, I think. Yeah, it's, it's underrated for sure. I think the, I think I'm still sticking with the Twins to win this division. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just me. I think we all picked them at the beginning of the year. Um, I think I'm sticking with it. Uh, Luis Arias, guys. I want to talk about him a little bit. I'm, I don't mean to jump on this, but I just think uh, <laughs> he's a fun guy to watch. Mm-hmm. Robert, he's kind of the guy you like to talk mm-hmm. about where he just finds a way to get at bats and get hits. Uh, Arias, man. Yeah, big hits. I mean, they're not just hits. I mean, he was a big deal to give him another life in this game today. I mean, he's a he's a he's he's an interesting player. He's very, very disciplined. And I tell you what, it's it's just crazy to watch. A player like him in this day and age, because of how many home runs are hit in today's game, that he is so good with the bat control that he's able to basically put the ball almost wherever he wants, depending on where the pitch is. He goes with the pitch, and he just drives it super hard, allowing, especially with runners in scoring position, allowing possible runs. Now, I know today and, the, and yesterday it was pretty questionable with the third base coach, but I'll, I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> they need to work on that. It's another thing they need to work today on. Today, yeah, but yeah, exactly. And today too. But I really do like going back to Arise. I think Arise is a very interesting player because if he develops the power, this is going to be a kid that we're going to be talking about. Eduardo Escobar type type of talent. That's what I'm saying. This is I, this is a pretty good player. I don't know if the power will come. It could come. But here's the most amazing stat for me: if he were to play a hundred, so he has 50 games right now. If you were to put that over 150 games a full season, he would only have 42 strikeouts. And 66 walks. That's incredible for a 22-year-old coming into the major leagues into a playoff race and performing like this. The the dude is just mentally insane. I, I don't even know how to describe it. He just <laughs> has the right insane. mentality for this game. And he hits he hits when he when he needs to get a hit. He sparks the rallies. He drives in the runs. He's what this team needs. I think yeah. I'm going to sound really white when I say this, but he is, as Eminem would say, insane in the membrane. <laughs> He is. I mean, like, I mean, we looked at Puig, who's actually crazy as hell when it comes to licking bats. But Arise over here, he's shaking his head yeah. like, no, 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 that's not a strike, or that's that's a bad yeah, pitch. I'm not swinging at that. You know, how many guys you see in today's game doing that? Not very many. All all Arise has done is hit. I mean, yeah. look at his minor leagues numbers. He's never hit below 300 in a season, and he's hitting 345 right now at the 419 on base percentage. I mean, all he does is hit. That's what this guy knows how to do. And yeah, what is up with the Puig licking the bat thing? I don't know, but I want to He's quickly. He's done that for years. He's I done that quickly, for years. I just want to quickly say that if Arise is a cheap version of Joe Maurer, well done. 
well done because that's what it seems like he's pretty much doing right now. And that's now I think that's really good. I, I could see that. Game. Yeah. Now I think the Twins are kind of kicking themselves. They could have traded Royce Lewis and maybe gotten something back. You, no. I don't know because Arias is. Oh, I feel like no, he's this, is, playing this might be a little. Yeah. We might be jumping ship a little too soon. Yeah, but. So. Lewis Lewis is athletic enough that he can play in other positions. He can even play third. I mean, if you want to put him over at third, put Snell at first. I mean, you could do that. Maybe All you know is consider you the future if Arias continues to hit. You got to give good players good good players. No, Lewis, Lewis will find a spot. He's got a spot. What do you say? He's got I a third. Think, I, I think Arise locked his spot up. Well, we're talking about rookies. Let's move on to two rookies who are tearing up the league this year. Jordan Alvarez for the Astros hit three home runs the other day against the Orioles, and they just drubbed them by 20-plus runs. That was a crazy game. And uh, Aristis, Aristides Aquino? <laughs> Anyone watch the Reds Arist- broadcast and can tell me how to pronounce his first name? I don't know. Uh, for the Reds, he hit three bombs as well on Saturday. I want to talk a little about those two because they are just lighting it up. Lots of talk in baseball about these two guys. And I wanted to ask you guys, are they legit? Is this rookie campaign legit? Aquino's got a little less of a track record, but Alvarez has been up for a while and he's completely killing it. Robert, what are your thoughts on Alvarez and Aquino? Are they I think, legit? I think Alvarez is totally legit. You look at his minor league numbers, he's doing basically exactly what he's doing up here as he did in the minors. So there's no there's no doubts there. I think he's a very good gap-to-gap hitter. He's able to hit the other way for a young guy at just 22 years young and hitting 300-plus, and he's getting on base. He's doing everything you need to do. Now, I'd like to see him cut down a little bit on the strikeouts, but that comes with experience. And I think Alvarez is definitely going to be probably the best DH in baseball. Once J.D. Martinez and Nelson Cruz have passed the baton, I think he's going to be probably the best DH in baseball. Now, with Aquino, it's very interesting because he's a big power hitter, he had 28 homers this year in the minors, but he's not really getting a lot of doubles. He's, you know, he's in and out when it comes to getting on base. So that's a little bit of a concern. So I think he's going to be a straight power hitter, but the average, everything you're seeing right now, as far as him being super hot, that's going to fall. I think this guy is a potential 250 to maybe 260 hitter at best, but the, the power is legit. I think he has good potential hitting 25 home runs a year and maybe even more depending on how he grows. But I think that... The hype on him is a little bit too much. I think it's really exciting to see, and I like it, and it's great. If you look at like what Hoskins did last year, he went off. He had a lot of home runs to start his career. So it's really cool, and it's awesome. But at the end of the day, the league adjusts to you. So if he can't adjust, he doesn't make it. Yeah. You know, and and, and right now, and right now he's striking out thirty-two percent of the time. Right. Uh, yeah. Or thirty percent of the time. That's concerning. Yep. Uh, and his exit velocity is ninety-one point six. So he's hitting the ball super hard, but. I mean, that's those strikeouts will catch up. They always do. They always yep. catch up. As Stan um, about it. Exactly. Yep. And so Jordan Alvarez, I want to. He's got 17 home runs and 197 play appearances. So if you, I mean, if you multiply it by three, 600 play appearances for a full season, maybe even more than that. I mean, you're talking about 51 home runs, which is nuts. But obviously, extra. That's kind of a risky proposition. Just kind of carrying it out like that. Uh, 24% strikeout rate, 12% walk rate, which is pretty good. And, uh, yeah, he's barreling the ball up 19.7% of the time. Dude reminds can me, reminds me of a lefty J.D. Martinez, man. That's yeah. what I see in him. I wouldn't doubt it. All right, yeah. Noah, your thoughts on these two guys. Yeah, let's just talk about the fact that the Astros got Alvarez for Josh Fields in 2016. <laughs> and, that's I mean, bad. that's looking like an outstanding deal. Uh, just a reliever. For and the that's Dodgers? A reliever, yeah, no, for the Astros, of Ast- course. No, the I Dodgers, mean, they got him from the Dodgers. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's what those little reliever deals can do. You can get these little prospects and all of a sudden they bloom a couple years later and turn into uh, one of the top players in baseball. But going to Aquino, um, you, you kind of hit it on the nail. He doesn't really walk. He's only walked. I don't think he's walked more than 40 times in a season in the minor leagues. Um, his on-base percentage is pretty bad. He strikes out at a high clip. He also hasn't hit very many that many. Like he's hit home runs, but not that many in the minor leagues. Now this year it's changed a little bit. He has 28 and 78 games, but before that he never had more than 23 in a season, which is not bad. But are you really seeing what the pace that he's on right now continuing? No, I, I, I don't think he's going to continue it. Um, but it sure is fun to see. These Astros just keep pumping out just quality major leaguers because Jordan Alvarez has been good. They have Kyle Tucker in the minors right now who's mashing Triple A, and he could be kind of a triple. He could be a five tool threat twenty twenty guy if he gets called up. And I don't know how why, they keep doing this. And this is why they got rid of Seth Beer because they knew they had another one in Kyle Tucker. You know they got they have so much talent they have to get rid. They know they have to get rid of some of this good talent to get really good players, and they got Zach Greinke back. So yeah, it's a really smart organization. They know exactly what they're doing. And moving forward, I'm sure we're going to find more of these Jordan Alvarez's that come out of nowhere. That's going to be amazing. It's just fun yeah. to see it. I don't know. And and like I said, against the Orioles uh, the other day, it kind of shows the difference between the top team in the Major League Baseball and the, la- the worst team, one of the worst teams. 23-2 to two on Saturday. And uh, that was ugly. <laughs> that was ugly. <laughs> I don't think anyone can touch the Astros right now. You agree? Yeah. The, I don't know. The, the Astros are are really good, but I do think that if you're able to shut down that lineup for a game and get to that bullpen, I think that that is your chance of beating them. I think the Indians could shut them down if their starting pitching did what they should do, but this starting or this lineup for the Astros is also really, really good. Yeah, I was saying that too, Noah. I think the Indians, as good as they've been, and if you just look at how they played this series against the Twins, I think they have a good shot of beating the Astros, actually. And I know that's kind of funny because... The last time the Indians and Astros played, it was a different story. The Indians kicked their butt, and the Astros were out. So, you know, it's 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 interesting, and at the same time, it's, I don't know. I mean, they're two really good teams. I don't know. The Yankees, for me, they're not that great. I think the Astros, yeah, I, you know, I don't even get to talk anymore. I just think the Astros are just that great. There's no, yeah. enough said. Literally and enough said. I don't think anyone would disagree with you. They're amazing. <laughs> uh, okay, let's, Yeah. I'll wrap up the show here with the name game now. So um, going back to Henry Henry, our fa- our old pal, Mr. Henry. Um, I wonder what his middle name is. He's real. He's a real player. Woo! <laughs> Sorry, Robert. Oh, well, what? Oh, yeah. Crap. <laughs> what, are you okay? You are you... No, I'm just upset about it. I didn't get that one. He, just, he blocked it out. Here, just... me... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh. You're right. <laughs> I got that uh, broadcaster's block. That's yeah, I was like, it's not a right thing. But... It, is... <laughs> it is a thing. You were spacing. No, it's. Not. I don't know. No, yeah, I, I was gonna say that's not, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. No, you go to school for broadcasting. Is that a thing? That's, that's not, not a thing. thing. No, no you just, I mean, no. I mean, if it is a thing, Joe Buck does it like three times a game. So. Yep, confirmed. <laughs> These are just straight facts. Yeah, straight facts. Says Robert. Thanks, man. All right, that'll uh, wrap things up for today. Again, reminder, we are on all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcasts. You can send your questions to thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at stitchespod. That's at stitchespod. 
Pod. Thanks for tuning in this week. We will talk to you guys next week. Take care.